Hello listeners and welcome to our first podcast for It's Now or Never in 2022. We are the Student Achievement Managers for Never and we're excited to discuss numeracy as we know this is a focus for many of our schools this year. Today's episode focuses on improving numeracy in secondary schools. John Jurassic and Lani Sailors are respected numeracy leaders at Wellington Secondary College and we are excited to be speaking to them today. Wellington Secondary College is an inner east secondary school located in Mulgrave. There are 1800 plus enrolments and many students speak a second language at home. Wellington's SFOE is 0.4972, a medium band. This year, Wellington is introducing a new numeracy initiative called Numeracy Do Nows. And John and Lani have worked hard to create action plans to monitor the implementation and student growth. Okay, thank you, John and Lani, for joining us today on our Now or Never podcast. Um, my first question is um, looking at your new initiative that you've implemented at Wellington Secondary College, and it's called your Numeracy Do Now task. Um, what is Numeracy Do Now? Good morning, Claire, and thanks for having us today. Um, yeah, so the Numeracy Do Nows, essentially what they are, we, we've had Literacy Do Nows at Wellington Secondary College for about the last four years. And we've decided that for this year to have a bit more of an emphasis on numeracy uh, during maths classes. And what it is, it's a 10 minute activity that takes place at the beginning of every double period of maths from years seven to 10. They are a series of questions that are taken directly from NAPLAN. However, I've omitted the multiple choice sections. So students actually are required to think about the answer rather than randomly selecting as they may do on the actual day of NAPLAN. Um, And when I select those questions from NAPLAN from past test papers, I, um, I add my own questions to it. So generally there's about four questions that accompany every um, numeracy do now. And the additional questions that I add focus on unpacking and decoding the literacy behind the questions. So I might ask students to rewrite the questions in their own words. Um, I might ask students to write down explicitly what they're actually being asked to find or calculate. And um, so we've still got that focus on literacy, but it's for numeracy based questions. Fantastic, thank you. Um, And so how do Numeracy Do Now support um, student achievement? Yep, so our cohort of students are generally quite good at maths when presented with numeric questions and formulas and so on. But we've identified that worded problems were an area that we needed to focus on. Some of the terminology is unfamiliar to our students. We have about 1,800 students at our college And of those 1,800, 1,000 of them speak a language other than English at home. So I've crunched the numbers on that, being a maths nerd, and that's 56% of our students speak a language other than English at home. So there's terminology in the NAPLAN questions that might be unfamiliar to our 12 to 16-year-old demographic. Some examples that just from uh, one of the week's numeracy do-nows that I selected were uh, crops, hectares, cake stall, paddock, lemonade stand. That might come as something that, you know, we're all familiar with, but to a 12 to 16 year old who hasn't been exposed to a lemonade stand or a cake stall, 
those terms might be quite challenging and they might not understand what the question's asking. If I can give an example, one of the questions was a class. So this is taken from NAPLAN Year 7, I think maybe 2016, I can't remember. A class had a cake stall. They sold 100 cakes for $7.50 each. What is the total amount the class made from the cake stall? You know, and a question like that, if the, if the student doesn't know what a cake stall is, sometimes they just opt out. They think, I can't answer that. I have no idea what's being asked for me. It could be completely foreign, a foreign concept to our students. We've never had a cake stall at our school. And I can't remember the last time I personally attended a cake stall and I'm 42 years old this year. Um, it sounds like something from the 80s because I don't really know, unless you attend a carnival out in the country, maybe you'll never come across a cake stall. So the purpose is to educate students that it's not important to be able to answer the question if you don't know what a cake stall is or a lemonade stand. They might think, how does a lemonade stand up by itself or something like that? And likewise, crops, hectares, paddock. So that's the purpose of the NAPLAN questions. And that's how we're supporting the student achievement is to identify what is relevant and what's irrelevant to being able to answer the, the mathematical question at, at hand. That's really great. And I really like how you've um, crunched those numbers there, John, particularly with um, a thousand of your students um, with English as the second language. That's really interesting. And then um, understanding that context and then creating that real life scenario for the students, making it real for them and making it relevant to their world. I guess my next question um, connecting to that would be um, how have the students responded to the numeracy do now tasks? Sure. So as John mentioned before, the students have been completing the literacy do nows for around four years. So they are used to the process and they're used to the expectations each double session. Um, when we made the switch to the numeracy do nows, students were quite enthusiastic. I feel like um, we're stretching beyond what they thought was an English classroom and making it more relevant to maths. Um, and they were able to take a variety of the skills that they had learnt um, in the literacy do nows and then were able to apply those to decode the language um, within the numeracy questions. Uh, they were really able to see how skills taught in one subject can actually be transferred to another subject, which they often really struggle with. You know, they think they come out of an English classroom and we're done with English for today and they go into a maths classroom and they focus on the maths. They often find it really difficult to um, to see the link there. Yeah. So they were very positive about it. That's great. Thanks, Carly. So can you tell us about how you measure the impact of the numeracy do now task? Yeah. So when students sit their NAPLAN test this year from the 20th, from the 10th to the 20th of May, um, by that stage, I've I've worked out that every student from year seven to 10, even though it's only the um, the sevens and nines that are sitting in the NAPLAN, but every student from year seven to 10 will have been exposed to approximately 30 to 40 NAPLAN questions by the time NAPLAN comes around. And that's just simply from the numeracy do nows. So the aim is that getting them um, gently and gradually exposed with multiple exposures over time, without students being explicitly told that these questions are sourced from NAPLAN, um, it will have some sort of meaningful impact on our data this year. Um, and since the questions um, that I select from the past NAPLAN papers cover multiple strands from mathematics within the Victorian curriculum, hopefully it will also transfer into their work within the classroom. Um, so it's not one specific um, topic of maths or, or area of maths, but it's, it's, a, it's a broad range. So hopefully the skills that they learn from the numeracy do nows can be um, 
transpose into their into their other works during maths. Yeah, that's really interesting to think about that. And we know our Myelin students in particular um, find the NAPLAN questions difficult. So can you tell us about how you're supporting your Myelin students to access the required responses to the Do Now? Yep, so the Do Now task, which again, as John mentioned, comes uh, from previous NAPLAN papers. They've been selected so that the, quest so the focus of the question um, is on the literacy aspect. So even though when they do the NAPLAN test, obviously they're expected to give an answer, but when we go through them in class, we focus on the literacy um, side of the question rather than the numeracy. And so while a number of students are able to find the solution at the end, um, and some of our students just jump straight to the, to the answer because that's what they're comfortable with, we try and remember that the focus is literacy. Um, so, and we're more concerned about the student's comprehension of the question. So as such, the do now task is scaffolded and students are prompted through a series of questions, leading them to the steps required to solve the mathematical problem. Even though, yeah, some of our higher achieving students um, tend to just answer the questions because that's what they're really comfortable with. We try and prompt them to sort of step back a little bit um, and really focusing on what the question is asking um, and what are they being um, told to find or told to do. And can you just expand a little bit more on that differentiation you provide for your students as well? Um, you've spoken a little bit about your top end students. So how are you supporting them as well within this? Yeah, so the questions um, are taken from past year five, year seven and year nine papers, um, predominantly the seven papers. Um, I try to select easy, medium and difficult questions um, for each week's numeracy do now activities. And I put out a, uh, a survey to staff at the end of last term um, about how their students are experiencing the, the level of difficulty from, you know, that the numeracy do now is a, a, a challenging them with. And 13 out of 15 staff replied that there was a good balance between easy, medium, difficult questions. So I feel that this caters to the needs of a wide range of learning abilities as much as possible, given the questions are sourced from NAPLAN. Yeah, there's been quite a um, two out of the other two teachers out of the 15 that replied to that survey said that the questions were too difficult. And I've had some staff informally just tell me in passing that they that their students find the questions too easy. So I've had a I've had a I've had a great mix of um, staff uh, feedback with um, you know, two, two or three staff members saying that the questions are too easy, 13 saying that the questions are right um, where they should be as far as difficulty goes, and two staff members saying that they're too difficult. So I think that's a pretty good mix. And I think um, that way we can differentiate for all learning abilities. Yeah, Chris? Long time listener, first time caller. Um, <laughs> you mentioned before, obviously, the focus when working with these students around these questions is around literacy. How did you go with professional development with your um, maths teachers to, to help them curve that, you know, instinctive behaviour of going, what's the question telling us? Let's find that response to more of that literacy-based focus. Was there professional learning you looked at or, or, or they kind of just picked it up instinctively? So in the beginning, some of the questions were focused on students identifying the nouns and proper nouns within a NAPLAN question and also identifying the fact that nouns and proper nouns are irrelevant. Like if you don't know who Ked is or if you don't know what a lemonade stand is, um, it's irrelevant yeah. to being able to answer the questions. But um, a lot of staff mentioned that they didn't feel that they had 
the skills to be able to identify and explain to their students how to isolate those words from the questions. So mm -hmm. I've refocused my, um, the way I structure the numeracy do now is to, to, to sway away from that. Um, in terms of what professional development or professional learning is being provided to the math staff, there's been nothing official. I guess it's a work in progress. It's a watch this space sort of thing. My instructions have been to try and in integrate mathematics across a wide variety of curriculum areas. So I've been working with humanities um, more so than the math stuff at the moment. Thank you. That, that's fantastic. It sounds like exciting work. Um, that's obviously been undertaken over the last four years and continuing to develop over time. It, it sounds fantastic. So, um, thank you very much, John and Lani. Um, they're the questions that we have for you, but we have some um, questions from um, our listeners. So, Mandy, did you want to take us through that? Sure, thanks Claire and hello John and Lani. Great to have you with us today. So yeah, these questions come from the listeners. The first one's around maths anxiety. It's something that we're seeing more and more in our classrooms. How do you and your team engage students that feel this anxiety? Yeah, so as we know, students have been feeling maths anxiety since forever. Um, but unfortunately, that's been exacerbated since returning to full-time face-to-face learning um, after the last years of lockdown because of COVID. Um, so the teachers and education support staff have played a massive role in ensuring a smooth re-entry into the classroom um, by creating safe and welcoming environments. Um, and students are given full, oh, sorry, given some flexibility to take um, control of their own learning. So in year seven to 10 maths, students are able to choose from three differentiated levels of work that they would like to complete. But of course, we're always there encouraging them to challenge, challenge themselves a little bit further. Um, and all students across the college also set their own learning goals at the beginning of the year. Once again, that empowers them to take ownership of their own learning journey. Um, and then for those students who we find are more disengaged or anxious, um, they have access to a number of additional resources, including the Mylands Direct Support, uh, tutors, inclusion support officers, as well as the regular maths engagement club that's provided during recess, lunchtime and after school. Thanks, Lani. Um, so I'm, what I'm hearing is that you're using that student agency to really address the anxiety to put the student in the driver's seat, as well as having a raft of different supports for that more one-on-one -on -one or small group Absolutely. learning. Yeah. Um, the second question we have from listeners is just around your challenges and successes. So you've been Mylan's improvement teachers for, well, you're in your second year now, as you mentioned. Um, what has been your biggest challenge, if you can pick one, and what has been your most significant success? Yes, yeah, so the number of Milan students, so I'll address the first question, which was um, the biggest challenge. Um, so it's the number of Milan students compared with the time allowance given. So to put it into context, we've got 25 students in years 8, 9 and 10 that have been identified as Milan students, but we get 10 periods a week to, um, to, to work with those students and to provide the direct support. Um, so what that means essentially um, with the timetabling and the way that it's all worked out is we get to see each Milan student once a fortnight for about 50 minutes. Um, that equates to twice a month, which I feel you know it's probably not quite enough time to, to build a good rapport with, with a Milan student. The other big challenge is absences. We found that the, um, the Milan students, um, 
not in all cases, but sometimes they tend to be the students that are truant a bit more than your non-violent students. So just being able to catch up with them and provide the support that the funding is there for is sometimes difficult through no fault of our own. And as far as um, significant successes, it's just seeing their confidence improve as the year goes by, um, their willingness to attempt questions that would usually be out of their comfort zones, and generally just getting to know them over the course of the year. It's, um, that's, that's the enjoyable part of it. If I can just give one example, I've got a Milan student in year eight. Um, he seemed quite disengaged from being um, part of the Milan's program. So in our first couple of sessions, we were just basically talking. I was, he didn't know that I was conducting an interview in the background, but to him it was just a, a casual chat that we were having. Um, so I could base his ILP on that. But um, anyway, he was he was very keen into he is very keen into scootering. And I told him that, you know, one of my family members was state champion of under 12 scootering and he, whoa, and then he knew that person's name and asked if I could get him an autograph. And now now that student's that Milan student is now excited every time he sees me coming to work with him. So it's that sort of, um, you know, relationship building that is very rewarding in this role as uh, Milan's direct support. Fantastic. Uh, thank you so much, um, John and Lani. Um, I very much enjoy going down to Wellington Secondary College and um, hearing about the connections that you have with the students. I think that's the first thing that um, we always discuss um, is the students and you can see that you really develop those relationships and understand where the students are coming from um, and what their, what their needs are. So it's one thing that has been um, really um, great to see every time I go down to Wellington and that is something that I share with the other schools and that's why you're of interest, why we want to listen to you and why we want others to listen to you as well and the amazing work that you're doing with this initiative around numeracy. Um, so thank you very much for joining us today. Thank, thank you, you for having us. Thanks for listening to this Now or Never podcast. Our next podcast will have a numeracy focus again. You can find on the ARC platform all of our communities of practice that are running this term and our podcasts and other Mylands resources are available on our Google Share Drive. So if you've got any other questions, please do contact your Sam. Thank you.